What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And in this episode, we are going on an epic trip to the jungles of Wakanda to meet up with an old friend, King T'Challa, also known as the Black Panther, in this first major expansion from Marvel's Avengers. So let's assemble and dive right into my review of Black Panther War for Wakanda. My father came to your beautiful country when I was a child. He had heard about the mythical vibranium. But the Black Panther said they had no vibranium to give. He slit my father's throat. That panther is dead. So you will have to do. You and your people. You finally agree to accept help, and it is from outsiders. That is not like you. I am not accepting help. I am giving it. Then let me send teams to the corrupted sites. Take the Dora Milaje with you. Do something other than driving yourself headfirst into danger. I am not just a king on a throne. I am the Black Panther. Then show us you can be both. I will. Finish the job, boys! They are attacking the shield around Benindana! Care to join us, beloved? You should embrace your spiritual side. Got a couple toys just for you. Answer! Here they come! With me! We need to evacuate the borderline. Before we jump into the details of this game's story, let's take a few minutes to check out some interesting facts that you may not have known about this game or its developer in The Breakdown. Gamers, when searching for who was going to portray the voice of T'Challa, the Black Panther, in this expansion, Crystal Dynamics pretty much settled on one name from the very beginning. But it wasn't an easy get for this actor to agree to portray this character. And that actor was none other than Chris Judge. Now, most of you may not know him by that name, but if you played the 2018 reboot of God of War, his voice will be very familiar to you if you really pay attention in this Black Panther expansion. Chris Judge was none other than Kratos in that 2018 reboot. Now, in Black Panther War for Wakanda, he obviously takes on the different characteristics and verbal pronunciations of the Wakandan dialect. And to be honest, it was pretty interesting for me to find out that he was very apprehensive of taking on this iconic role of the Black Panther, mostly out of respect that he had for the late Chadwick Boseman, 
who we unfortunately lost last year due to cancer. The actual actor who portrayed Black Panther and T'Challa in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Now, Chadwick does a perfect job, to be honest with you, in my opinion, of portraying this character, so I understand the apprehension that Chris would have had in taking on this role. But it was also interesting to me to find out that it was basically the support of his family, his mother specifically, that said, you have to take this role. This is a very important role for our culture and for the world. You should do this. This is an honor. Honor what Chadwick did. And ultimately, that's what Chris did. And here we are today with his performance as T'Challa, the Black Panther. Now let's go check out the details of the game's story. Our story begins with Black Panther investigating some seismic tremors and disturbances near the borders of Wakanda. And it's here that King T'Challa discovers that none other than his soon-to-be arch-nemesis, Ulysses Claw, and his men, with the help of Advanced Idea Mechanics, or AIM, they're trying to dig up and force their way into Wakanda to steal Vibranium. And the process of this is actually corrupting Vibranium throughout Wakanda. And Vibranium, if you don't know what it is, it is actually the rarest metal on Earth. It's only found in the jungles of Wakanda, left here from a meteor that plunged into the Earth's surface centuries ago. And it has allowed the Wakandans to advance themselves technologically so much further than that of the rest of the world. And that is what Claw and his men and AIM are here to steal. Now, Claw has been hired by Dr. Rappuccini, which is a head scientist at AIM. And many players, you guys are going to remember her from the base game. She was a very prominent role in that game's story. Now, she has hired him with the sole intent of acquiring as much vibranium as possible from Wakanda to use in AIM's further experiments on Inhumans. Yep, that same hellish act is still going on from the base game here in this expansion. Now, Claw, with his men and giant robots and machines, they're actually able to fend off Black Panther long enough to get away in this initial encounter. But it's on T'Challa's way back to the palace that he sees the Avengers Quinjet coming in for a landing just outside of his palace. And once he gets back to the palace and he meets up with them, T'Challa learns the Avengers have actually been going after AIM for a while now. And ultimately, that chase has led them here to Wakanda. And they are now looking to kind of join forces and help T'Challa fend off the forces of AIM and CLAW, as well as have him help them, in turn, prevent them from going any further as well. So T'Challa ultimately agrees to join up with the Avengers to take down CLAW and AIM, and ultimately to protect Wakanda at all costs. And as the story progresses, there's actually some really great interactions between T'Challa and other characters in the game. Obviously, his sister Shuri is a prominent role here, as she should be and usually is in any major Black Panther story. There's some great interactions between brother and sister here. Okoye, who is the general of the Dora Malaje, which is the deadliest warriors of all of Wakanda and ones I would never want to meet on the battlefield. There's some great banter between the two of them, T'Challa and Okoye, that is. And ultimately, you can also speak with each individual Avenger in between missions uh, as you walk around the palace as T'Challa. And there's some pretty interesting conversation there. But overall, I felt the story was told well and moved at a great pace. 
Claw was a great villain, and there was also some surprises that I personally did not see coming that popped up here as well throughout the course of the story. And if you're looking for added insight into Wakandan culture or opinions from T'Chaka, who is T'Challa's father, an explanation as to why T'Challa didn't help the Avengers after A-Day, all of these things are touched on and many new files that you can find that are spread throughout the palace and the jungle maps and temple ruins that I honestly thought they were definitely worth seeking out and added just that minor icing on the cake to everything else as far as story is concerned. Now, the finale and the ending of this expansion from a story perspective, I thought was great. And it just kind of left me with that feeling of just a feel-good feeling. Man, the day has been won. We've done this. What's next? And ultimately, I honestly could not have asked for a better story from this expansion. So now let's go check out what I thought of the graphics and sound. Gamers, first off, let me just say from a visual standpoint, we're going to start with Wakanda. It looks great, absolutely beautiful at every turn. The jungles, the foliage, the waterfalls, the palace. Oh, everything is just so fine-tuned and detailed and crisp and beautiful to look at and walk around in. Character models, they're as detailed as ever. And I love the design of T'Challa, both in and out of the Black Panther costume. Shuri's character design I thought was also great, as was Claw's. They all stayed true to their origins while still having a fresh look to them. Crystal Dynamics is just, honestly, experts <laughs> at interpreting these characters, keeping them... Fresh, but also honoring what came before as far as their design. Uh, the density of the jungles is just beautiful. From the bushes and the flowers on the ground, to the skyscraping trees that are covered in vines, to the ancient Wakandan temples spread throughout each map, it's an absolute visual joy to explore what few maps are on display here. Now, the details inside the Chalice Palace... It's on a different level. It's not just the architecture and the decorations, but in the rooms that you pass through and the consoles where the Wakandan scientists are working to even where the guards blocking certain entrances, they'll cross their spears to prevent you from entering. It all works together to make the environment just feel so alive. Now, from a sound standpoint, the voice of T'Challa, Chris Judge, it's solid, although I did feel there were some lines that Chris really didn't do as well as others. So there was a sense of inconsistency in his performance for me, but I felt that he came through big when he really needed to. All the other main characters in the game, like Shuri and Claw, they were voiced greatly as well. As far as music, man, I loved the music in this expansion. The base game had great music, very fitting to all the scenarios and different environments and characters. No different here in this expansion. It's absolutely a joy to listen to. The ambiance music that plays as you're exploring the jungles of Wakanda, the orchestral scores that play during cutscenes, everything is just perfect for this setting. You have the cultural feel and sound of that Wakandan drum being played and a beautiful backdrop to the story and the visuals that are happening as well. So it just all fits perfectly visually, musically. Everything is just so well done and fits in and just is just a perfect expression of what I would assume and feel that Wakanda would be like. So just like in the base game, graphics and sound were top notch. Now let's go see if the sound makes a difference whether you play with a 3D Pulse headset or not.
Gamers, every game I play on the PS5, I alternate between playing on a soundbar and using the 3D Pulse headset. And I ultimately stick with what I feel is the best, most immersive sound for me during that gaming experience. So that's why I decided, you know what? Any game I play on PS5 that I do a review for, I am going to add in the 3D Pulse effect. Is there a massive effect on your gameplay and immersion, or does the Pulse headset have no Pulse at all? So as far as Black Panther War for Wakanda, I did play with both the headset and the soundbar, and as usual, the 3D Pulse is my preferred method of sound immersion when playing. You get to hear which directions explosions and missiles and enemies are coming from, the communications chatter that's in your ear as if you is who Shuri is talking to, the beats of the music and the sounds of the jungle and the different birds and animals. It's just absolutely stellar. So is there a massive effect on this game's immersion by using the 3D Pulse or no Pulse at all? I would say there is absolutely a massive effect to your immersion level when using the 3D Pulse headset. Now, let's go see how the game controls. Gamers, when controlling Black Panther, he controls very solid, I'll just say right off the bat, but also I will say there is something that felt a bit off. And what I mean here, his character movement. At first, it was a bit on the line between light and floaty. So say as if I was moving in one direction, I make a quick turn, it would feel stiff, but look loose on screen, if that makes sense. So it just kind of threw me off in the beginning stages of starting the campaign. But eventually, that feeling kind of went away. So it may have just been transitioning from one game I was playing to back to this style of game. I don't know for sure, but it was still jarring to me. Uh, overall, button layout, it was the same as in the base game. So if you played the base game, you kind of know what to expect here for traversal and combat, as well as also still being able to use the touchpad to bring up the menu screen. Combat combos are tied to light and heavy attacks, as well as many cool and fun abilities and skills for T'Challa to learn. These range from summoning the panther god Bost into the fight for some added backup, to drawing a spear to aim and then launch at your enemies for massive damage. I had a lot of fun with these abilities. They really helped me out in some tight spots, especially bossed. Uh, if you are get swarmed by multiple enemies, man, uh, she comes in very, very handy. I really did enjoy T'Challa's movement and also like some specifics to his traversal in the world when we talk about exploration. Now, the wall-running ability of other characters in the base game, like Cap, that is available to T'Challa as well. And there's also a unique move, though, that he has when doing these wall runs in the form of a wall-cling ability that allows him to stay clung right there to the side of whatever surface he's on, thanks to those claws he has digging into that surface. And while you're perched here, you can also launch from the wall onto an enemy and initiate your assault in that way, if you like. And I thought that was pretty cool. There were some pretty cool moments to use that with. Now, there were some awkward collision detection moments when using bars or branches to swing from. So say I would jump towards the bar or the branch, and there'd be kind of a hiccup or pause in T'Challa's movement, and then he'd grab onto the bar suddenly, and in a very stiff animation, swing to a landing point. So not horrible, but it was definitely noticeable nonetheless. So ultimately... Not a whole lot here to complain about with controls, just a few minor gripes that I had during my experience. But really, let's talk about the DualSense difference since I'm playing on the PS5 and see if there 
is one when deciding which system to play on. Gamers, when it comes to the DualSense, it is my absolute favorite controller on the market and potentially favorite controller of all time. There are so many things that this controller does that I, I felt that I had to add a segment to my reviews of any PS5 game to try to put out there and see, is there really a DualSense difference when you play this game? Because not every game will take advantage of its features. So when it comes to Black Panther War for Wakanda, if you guys have listened to my review of the Avengers base game, you'll know that I absolutely fell head over heels for the utilization of the DualSense functionalities that Crystal Dynamics implemented into that game. So a lot of that carries over here into the expansion, understandably. So what's specific or unique to Black Panther? Well, obviously, as was the case in the base game, every character has a unique color to the light bar on the controller. That's no different here. Black Panther has a grayish black light bar, looks really cool, especially on the Midnight Black Dual Sense that I was playing with at the time. Just felt it was very fitting. The adaptive triggers, when you're using those, the functionality here, just like in the base game, every character has a long range attack. And for Black Panther, he has daggers that he will pull out and be able to launch and throw at enemies or objects in the environment. So the adaptive triggers come into play here. And when you're ready to throw the dagger, you pull the left trigger down and there is that tension on the trigger. And when you throw the dagger, there is an increasing level of rumble that's based on how many daggers you throw as a combo. And depending on how much you've upgraded that specific skill depends on how many daggers you can throw as a combo. And again, the rumbles vary based on how many you throw. So that immersion level, you can feel that difference there. Outside of some minor gripes, the controls were great. And... Was there a dual sense difference ultimately here for these minor things added to the expansion? I would say yes, but nothing major that in my opinion would separate this version or this expansion too much from say playing on a PS4 or an Xbox. Now let's go talk about the meat and potatoes of the game and its gameplay. Gamers, if you've played the base game of Marvel's Avengers, then you pretty much know what to expect here as far as the gameplay is concerned for the Black Panther War for Wakanda expansion. The biggest difference is the game is set in a whole new biome for missions to take place in, and that biome is Wakanda. And in addition to the jungles of Wakanda, you'll also be able to explore T'Challa's palace in between missions and chat with various characters either from the Avengers team or resident Wakandans. Now there is a new Wakandan vendor here who has some unique upgrades for you, a station to continue picking up faction quests from S.H.I.E.L.D. or, or whoever it may be. There's resource chests to loot and of course the war table that takes you on any substantial or campaign mission type. And speaking of mission types and campaigns, there are a total of five main campaign missions that you're going to partake in in this game, outside of that introductory chapter that I referenced earlier. And in my experience, these could vary in length, but if you're like me and you try to find every chest and smash every resource container, you're probably looking to spend about one to two hours on each mission. Now, I loved that that opening chapter really kind of set the template, and it had temples and puzzles, and it was great. It was really cool to just kind of have this solo mission with Black Panther and kind of really an introduction to him and his control scheme and moveset as a character. 
In the following five main campaign missions, they each followed the same gameplay pattern as the base game did. You're going to land the Quinjet above ground, traverse a decent-sized map while exploring for chests and resources and fighting enemies along the way. And ultimately, you'll make it to the end where either the mission will transition to a building interior finale or an underground finale via some kind of giant lift or elevator. And in that finale, you're either going to have a boss fight or in another repeat scenario from the base game, you're going to have a large room with, say, four points of interest that you have to protect against a wave of enemies that are trying to destroy them. While in this case, Shuri or someone else is hacking software to upload a virus. These moments weren't terrible, but I thought they could sometimes be annoying. There was a couple of them, which may have been one too many, but the bosses, of which there were four boss fights, technically, I thought they were mostly fun, and I did enjoy, but the final boss fight, gamers, it had me fuming for hours due to what I consider to be an overcomplication of the fight and an unfortunate scenario in gaming that I've experienced before where you're kind of moving right along in this great pace in the game, no issue with any previous bosses, enemy types, and suddenly out of nowhere, the final boss to beat the game or the content is just extremely overpowered and difficult for no reason. It just didn't make sense to me. Why am I having this much trouble when I've had no trouble whatsoever up to this point? And I felt that I was pretty well equipped with resources and upgrades and gear and my power level everything. Granted, I get it. This game is built to an extent for multiplayer purposes, and I'm playing single player. But at the end of the day, I still felt that it was just way over the top. And Crystal Dynamics should have done something, in my opinion, to be able to read or register if a player is by himself or in a group and adjust the boss accordingly. A few other things that I did love about this gameplay, though, here was I love the Wakandan culture that was on display throughout all the maps, including stories in hieroglyphic form and ancient panther statues and temples that had remnants of the past in them. And there's a few puzzles that are built around these old temples that I just thought were great and really brought me back to Crystal Dynamics' Tomb Raider days. I also just want to say that, in general, I really did love the level design and like in a lot of the maps in the base game, the environments just had a great mix of elevation to them. So what I mean is you could have a map that has underground tunnels and caves behind waterfalls, the elevation of the terrain changing on a dime with high cliffs and tall trees looking over a forested area to a beautiful open temple grounds. It was just excellent level design in my opinion, and I really do hope that Crystal Dynamics... I just hope they continue to further improve upon this design and the forthcoming Spider-Man expansion and any other expansions after that. So I will touch real quick on some new enemy types that were brought into this expansion. So most of them were your basic goons with guns, uh, floating, flying around on jetpack enemy types. And then there was also some new ones that had red force field defenses due to corrupt vibranium that surrounded them after a strike. Those can be a little annoying after a while, but ultimately all of these enemy types were kind of very similar to what we had already seen in the base game, just kind of rebranded as Claws Soldiers. The other enemy type that we got were two different types of spider bots. We had the smaller type of spider bot that would kind of swarm you in groups and be kind of annoying in that way. And then we had the giant spider bots that would lash out and grab you as if they were shooting a web at you and pull you into them. And the massive amounts of damage they would do with just a single or two attacks. And oh, 
they could be annoying at times too. But overall, as long as you stayed moving and utilized your powers and kept an eye on things, it usually didn't get too out of control. Overall, with the gameplay, I thoroughly enjoyed what Crystal Dynamics brought to the table and the different things they used to set this apart and make it feel different from the base game and from the locations that you go to in the base game. Between adding puzzles and temples and just a different level of history to the environment that you were exploring, I love that. And of course, trying to differentiate Black Panther from any of the other previous Avengers that we played as. So overall, love the gameplay. Now let's go check out the ship's chronometer to find out how much time I spent to beat the expansion, as well as how much time you might expect to spend to beat the expansion based on your playstyle. Gamers, if you were showing up to this expansion strictly for the story experience, then I would probably say that roughly at 45 minutes to an hour per mission, and some little bit of time in between at the palace, you're probably looking at roughly seven hours before you are ending and completing this story. Now, if you're doing story and you do find yourself detouring here or there, but not often, eh, maybe add an hour on there for a couple of side detour paths that you may or may not take. But if you're looking at full exploration of the palace, as well as all the maps that you go to for the main campaign missions, I'm saying that you're probably going to look at 10 hours for completing this game, which is exactly where I landed by the time I was at that final boss fight was 10 hours. Now let's go check out my final thoughts and review score for the expansion. Gamers, when we look at my final thoughts for the War for Wakanda expansion, I'm going to start with the negatives and begin with the minor control issues that I had. There was some collision detection when trying to swing from branches. There was some character control oddities at the very beginning. Outside of those different control issues, not too much going on control-wise. We did have some rough lines of dialogue, though, by Chris Judge, in my opinion, the way the lines came through in execution. I also didn't feel the need for two protect the points of interest segments where there's the four points of interest and waves of enemies and you have to keep them from being destroyed. I thought it was one too many personally. And obviously I felt the final boss was a huge frustration and way out of place here uh, as far as the difficulty spike for me. Maybe you won't have the same experience or frustration or difficulty that I did in trying to finally take down that final boss. But for me, in my experience, it was a huge frustration on an otherwise great experience. And speaking of the great experience, the good things I want to talk about here is how I'd like to end my final thoughts. The graphics, absolutely amazing, bar none, continued the consistency that Crystal Dynamics brought with the base game absolutely beautiful world of Wakanda and biome to explore and do missions in now. Awesome interpretation of the character of Black Panther. The story I felt was excellent. I thought it was a great story. I was hooked the whole time. I love the different surprises of things that happened. I love the backstory of Wakanda and the history and the lore that was there for you to take in if you wanted to. It wasn't forced. It wasn't shoved down your throat, but it was there if you wanted to absorb it and take it all in. I love that. The music was excellent and absolutely great. I loved it. It really drove the feeling of being in Wakanda and just adding to that immersion of the experience. And in general, I felt the content did not overstay its welcome. I felt it was the perfect length. 10 hours, roughly, is I felt a perfect length for the experience that was on hand here. 
any longer than that, I feel it might have worn out that welcome. So my final score, after it's all said and done, for Black Panther, War for Wakanda, is an 8.25 out of 10. That'll do it for my review of the Black Panther War for Wakanda expansion. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can find me on the PlayStation and Xbox networks by searching for Hulking Yoda or reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com as well as find me on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing. <laughs>